It's the D'Souza Palooza. I am the law. Welcome to Movie Marathon with Andrew and Mike. In, in case you couldn't tell, the, the D'Souza Palooza is continuing with the 1995, um, I guess not classic. I kind of painted myself into a corner there. Um, debacle of Judge Dredd. Maybe it's a classic in the year of 1995 only. Actually, that is one thing I want to talk about with you, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. But, so Judge Dredd, 1995, uh, Sylvester Stallone. I, I have to think anyone listening to this is familiar with it, but if you're not, uh, based on a comic, but it's a dystopian future, and Joseph Dredd is the most famous judge, a police officer with instant field judiciary power. So the tagline was he's judge, jury, executioner, all in one. But he's uh, convicted for a crime he did not commit and and then has to face his uh, evil sort of clone brother. I, 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 gets, the, the plot gets away from him a little bit towards the end. Um, but really, the t- I mean, the tagline, the trailers, everything they're going for here is it's Sylvester Stallone as a cop who can just execute people if he finds them guilty um, is, is what they're what they're selling here. Um, I remember this being a giant movie in my brain when I was uh, 11, 12 years old, and this was coming out in theaters and out out to rent. Um, Andrew, I think you have more history with the comic than I do. Uh, but uh, I'm yeah, no, I, I do. And it actually, was probably a pretty big release in your world when it came out. Oh, I released all right when this came out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in theater when your mom took you? Or? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> this is super weird. Oh, uh, no, you actually reminded me of something. So I did go see this in theaters because I was a big fan of the comic books. Uh, it was published. This is basic. This is actually a story that dates back to the 1970s. Uh, uh, it was a British comic book uh, that was put out sort of as a mock, a mocking sort of dystopian look at the world. It was a very sardonic comic book, kind of poking fun. And I think the the kind of fascist state, and I think I think it was a, supposed to be a reflection on sort of current political political environment for, for the late 70s in the UK and to some extent the US. But uh, this movie manages to shed all of that uh, uh, humor and cynicism and just <laughs> really focus in on the judge, jury, executioner piece. Just um, be borderline pro-fascist. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it kind of, it's kind of the movie ends. Uh, but anyway. Uh, you Definitely were, picked up on that as a 12-year-old. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you reminded me of one thing about this that I had not put in my notes. And uh, it was when this came out, they also released, I think it was a Super Nintendo uh, Judge Dread video game that I played the <laughs> shit out of in the summer of I think it was 1995, and I'll do you one better. There was a competition at Blockbuster where you could go in and you got to play as far as you could make it. I think on like one life, and then like that you're based on your high score. Like you could enter into like a national competition like from like your local Blockbuster. I was I, t- I was terrible. I think I made it past maybe the first two levels. So so I did not advance in that, but. Uh, I had not thought about that in how long is this? How old was this movie? Almost 30 years. I had not thought about that in almost <laughs> 30 years because uh, I remember making my, either my mom or my grandparents drive me to the blockbuster in Augusta <laughs> on Wrightsboro roads. So I could play uh, the judge video game only to be pretty shitty at it and not make it anywhere in this tournament. <laughs> so I forgot about that. 
That is amazing. I don't think we're ever going to get a better story than that the entire time we do this podcast. <laughs> we, can, we can cut here if you want to. I can be. I, can be. Think, I think we're done. Um, <laughs> we go yeah, on top. This is uh, this. I, I, I will say this is a, a not a classic, but it's definitely a, a movie. I had a lot of uh, affinity for as a kid. I also think this is one of the few movies around this time of when I watched it. I kind of realized that you can you can start seeing behind the curtain and that movies can actually not be good. Because I went into this with really high hopes. I think it was this in the Spawn movie that kind of ruined like the illusion yeah. of comic book movies for me as a kid. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, but I, I read the comics when I was a kid. Uh, I really enjoyed the Dread character. Uh, so I was super pumped when this was, this was announced. Uh, and also they got Stallone, who kind of at this point was still a huge star uh, and kind of the one of the probably big three of action action stars. So I was pretty pumped uh, Went to go see it in theaters and left a little disappointed um, after seeing it compared to like kind of what the, what my expectations were of the comic. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't, don't think I was there yet in my uh, movie journey of <laughs> <laughs> realizing Santa was, Santa was still fa- or still real. Yeah, realizing that movies can be bad. That that for me was uh, Armageddon in the theater. Oh wow, um, that's like three years later. So you, yeah, you're a, yeah. So I, I get to I get to enjoy the magic a little longer than you. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's a summer. They make big, cool action movies, and they're awesome to go see in the theater. And I remember sitting there being like, "Oh wow, like movies can be bad." <laughs> like, well, I'm, um. I'm also looking at what year Spawn came out. Spawn came out in 1997. That was a pretty yeah, bad that's, one. I remember I saw that in the theater as well and was probably underwhelmed, but it was still like fun. Um, I still enjoyed it. So this, I would have seen this. I wouldn't have seen it in theater, but definitely rented it. Um, and at this point in my life, <laughs> which this may explain a lot why I didn't realize that movies could be bad yet, but um, Demolition Man would have been my favorite movie. <laughs> that's okay yeah. that's a good movie uh so i was super psyched for this because it's more stallone sci-fi bent to it um and i remember seeing it and all that stands out to me is there were cannibals <laughs> <laughs> and stallone killed a bunch of people um so i yeah i didn't find it particularly memorable but i certainly didn't have a bad initial taste to my mouth i think as time went by i maybe and like the reputation for it get out there i maybe realized like yeah i remember that wasn't all that great but in the moment i thought i it probably gave me everything i was looking for no yeah and that, that's fair I, I think um i actually was going to criticize this movie for not following the comic books and i did a little more research and then it actually follows the comics in a lot of ways pretty closely uh, there's like a couple of just key areas where it misses, uh, but if I mean it, it follows all the gadgets that the dread dreads, uh, as as Mike alluded to, is a um, uh, uh, city judge in Mega City One. So they kind of get the setting correctly with these mega cities that are sort of this post in this post apocalyptic world. The cursed Earth is the sort of atomic wasteland that's outside of these mega cities where people are now huddled after an atomic war. Uh, they get the weapons right with the uh, what is it the the law the law master is his motorcycle and i think the lawmaker i believe is the pistol they kind of get the costume right uh which of course salone had uh gianni versace <laughs> design his costume but that's okay 
Uh, and then they, it gets a lot right. It gets the characters right. Uh, Judge Fargo, who's played by uh, Max von Sydow, uh, uh, is is an actual character from the comic book. Um, I actually <laughs> go out on a limb here. I think uh, Rob Snyder's character might be the only one who's not from the comic books. Big surprise. <laughs> but it actually got a lot right. It's just the key thing this movie missed was the tone. The subtext? Yeah, of the, the whole, whole subtext. Of, like, why? <laughs> like, the whole, I could, you could argue the movie, the entire movie is Dredd uh, enforces the law. The law turns against him. He goes through a lot of conflicts to, to save himself learns nothing dread continues to be the law <laughs> like, that's and like pretty much the entire that's like it the ending like tomorrow he's waking up and going and killing people he finds guilty <laughs> like yeah. yeah it's it's there's that, no journey of like oh wow they decided i was guilty and i wasn't so like maybe i should rethink this whole process <laughs> and, nope. and and that, that's a that's another you know important point is is so just a quick back backstory again is you know so dread the whole point is and this is actually one of the comic books. They actually, the, the Return of Rico was an actual uh, 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 story within the the early Judge Dredd world. Uh, but it, the whole premise is that Dredd, Judge, Judge Dredd is set up by his clone brother who has his same DNA. Hey, it's 1995. OJ trial is going on. DNA was a really <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Not only in the movies, but in real life. Uh, and... Uh, I don't quite understand what the overall plot actually is building towards other than they're going to clone a bunch of dreads uh, and uh, Rico's, but um, uh, judge dreads brother is basically a, a pawn by a head judge. who's trying to tr- take over control of the, this council. Uh, and then long story short, dread set up somehow saves the day, of course, uh, of, with the help of his comedic sidekick, Fergie played by Rob Snyder. And then, um, uh, shows down with his uh, uh, his brother Rico at the very end and the face of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and his brother is played by Armand Asante, who sort of looks like a microwaved version of Stallone. So I think that's why he got the role. And yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I, the premise for this holds up exceptionally well. The idea that the like. <laughs> Please tell me which part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So basically, there's like an opening scrawl on the movie, and it's like I don't know, it's like twenty one thirty seven or something. But it's basically um, the like humans have basically like destroyed the environment, and like the Earth is just like a giant desert now, except for these like massive mega cities where all the population is like concentrated. And I think they say like an area that was meant for like. 12 million people has 60 million people in it. Like, so it's like a really like pressure cooker situation why they have these judges. Um, and that like, like, I don't ages pretty well of like, yeah, I could see humanity. Oh, there's some scary parallels to today and going down that path. And then you see the people live in the cursed earth are like these crazy redneck survivalist cannibals. Like, uh, that it definitely, it's a good premise. Like I, I could see why like, I'm, I'm very interested in reading the comic now and you could see why someone would look at it and be like, yeah, we should try to turn that into a, a movie. Um, Cause that all makes sense. It's just when you lose the subtext of why. Like, yeah, no, you're right. And, and, the, uh, these judges are not heroes. Uh, no, they're horrible people. And, and that's, that's what the, the entire movie misses. But I, I will say, you know, if, if you, or at all interested in Judge Dredd or anything kind of close to what the comics are. Spoiler alert, I would say skip ahead 
seven or was it uh, 12 years to uh, not 12 years. Jesus Christ. I can't do math. Um, skip ahead to the 2012 dread movie that stars, stars Carl Urban. Um, that's more of like a microcosm into an, a single, a single uh, comic book, uh, but it's really well done. Visually. It's really good. Uh, Urban plays a really good dread uh, and it, it kind of fits more in line with the comic book than perhaps uh, Stallone does here. Uh, and I, but the problem was, and I'll, I'll touch on it later, uh, that movie didn't make any money. It actually lost money um, against its budget. Either way, I'll still say it's it's by, it's far and away better than this. And I think it, it's got a much cleaner vision of maybe what the character and what the world they're trying to build is. So, Do you, do you think this movie had still polluted the waters too much when they made that one that people were... <laughs> Man, I don't know. I thought about that. And I'm just I, it, it. This one, this one isn't. I don't think this one's like bad, bad. Like it's not bad acting. It's this. All the sets look great. Uh, it's well shot. It's a really be, kind of beautiful looking movie in the sense that all the sets look really good. You can tell that. I feel like all the money. It's had a ninety million dollar budget. I feel like all of the money is on the screen. The problem I think that this suffers from is it's just boring. And I think it's not because people aren't trying. It's not because uh, they don't want to make a good movie. It's just like, I think they picked the wrong dread move or dread plot line to try and replicate. And I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know why they picked the return of Rico, but it just, it's just not a fun story and it doesn't, doesn't really get pulled off very well. And I think, um, I don't think they tainted it, but I was going to talk about it later, but I'll go ahead and say it now. And I'll steal steal a line from Bill Simmons on Rewatchables and just say that I think if you made this into a podcast or not podcast, sorry, if you made this into <laughs> a uh, Netflix series or some sort of streaming series for like eight or ten episodes where you could actually do a lot of the world building, but you also have time for more time to sort of develop Dread as being this cynical but but law abiding and law enforcing character, and you can build sort of a world and atmosphere around them. I think it works better. And I think I think that that's kind of the mistake of this movie. Maybe even the one from 2012 is really interesting characters, really interesting uh, backstory and, and, and sort of concept of, of what they're trying to do. But you just need either either you need to do what the 2012 one did, which is just dumping you into a, a short vignette of the story. Or you need a lot more room to kind of expand this thing out and really flesh out what the uh, what the world is, because that's kind of where the interesting piece is. To me. Yeah, I, I would agree, and and it's it's ninety minutes long, and he should be an um, antihero, and the movie doesn't really ever take the time to establish that, so it kind of just plays him as a hero, and because it's Stallone, who you've seen be a hero in a million action movies, he's bringing a lot of baggage with him that the movie kind of needs to undo a bit if it's going <laughs> to effectively tell this story. And 90 minutes just isn't enough time to to tell as complex a story as this as this should be. And he um, deserves. Yeah. <laughs> um well and so speaking of the storytelling, so this is this is obviously what is this, episode three or is this episode four of uh, it would be <laughs> It would be the number four of the Palooza. Number four. Um and I think do you want to touch on maybe what what Stephen E. D'Souza's involvement was because he's got a screen a screenplay credit on this, but I think um, you you had done some research and found that maybe he was also trying to kind of cobble together a couple of different sources source materials for this one to to pull it together. Yeah, so there's a couple uh, YouTube interviews out there with him, which I credit to him. I 
these YouTube views, they're on these like channels I've not really heard of. And like these videos have like 500 views, 100 views. Um, <laughs> and I was like, good for him. He's just jumping on stuff and talking to people about this, uh, about these things and seems they're pretty friendly and cool about it. Um, or he's got like a massive axe to grind and wants to set the record straight <laughs> in every way he can. I don't know. But yeah, uh, he comes I, across I, like a nice guy. I think we'll touch on that more on the Street Fighter episode. But yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's one he did in the, the channel. It's like Hueezy Entertainment. I don't know. If you go on YouTube and search D'Souza Judge Dread, uh, all these would come up real fast. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was he was brought in and they had like three screenplays that none of them really worked. Um, and he kind of combined a lot together from the trying to take the good stuff from some different stories they were uh, kicking around. Um, and obviously there's a source material to it. So he's coming in with uh, the story is certainly not his. He's trying to take a, take what they have and get a decent movie out of it. Uh, but he thought he went in and he kept like being like, well, and I guess he was a big fan of the comics and knew him pretty well. And there'd be things of, he's like, well, like in the movie, the prison's in Aspen for some reason. And in the <laughs> comics, the prison's on like a moon of Saturn. And he's like, that's like so much cooler. And like, it's just going to be a scrawl at the bottom of the screen. That is why, true. Like, like there is, I like, guess, other than the, the, the mental jump of, okay, we, we have interplanetary stuff, but I guess who cares? But and he'd be like, "Why?" And he, like all the producers would turn and look at the director and be like, "Well, that's what the director wanted to do." And he'd be like, "And he's like, why is he taking his helmet off?" He's like, "Well, that's what the director wanted to do." Um, and it seemed like so he was really laying a lot of the blame at the feet of the director. Um, and talked about him. The director really didn't get along with him because the there's a D'Souza character in the movie who gets arrested <laughs> for a DUI, and I guess that was the director his way of giving like the middle finger to D'Souza for all their like butting heads together. Um, and I guess the director, when they got on set, undid a ton of the D'Souza stuff and would call the studio because they're filming in England and be like, oh, like you want it, like we're trying to do this, but like we're already down the road on this and it's going to cost like 50 grand more if we change all that. And the studio would get nervous and be like, oh, then don't change it. And it, it was like bullshit. He was just making stuff up to do uh, what he wanted to do. I tend uh, to, I tend to. Buy and so that it sounds like, yeah. If you if you look at that guy's directorial, Danny Cannon's directing career after this, like he really doesn't do much. And so I don't. No, it's a lot of TV and nothing too impressive. Yeah, I, I think I, I kind of. He buy certainly into the didn't idea. do anything where you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. On exactly. That exactly. you would like seeing other stuff D'Souza's done. Uh, it's like, well, one of you has done some of like the best action movies ever made. And so I, 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 so I, I, I do kind of believe the Sousa's perspective that he, you know, he probably did kind of inherent inherit a dumpster fire of a script and try and kind of bring it out. You know, he, he's, we talked about with Hudson Hawk, he kind of did it for Bruce Willis. He, he's doing it here. Um, so it, it, that's probably true. Um, I will say one thing I have a, I'm, I'm curious about with regard to the director and I'm, I'm sure is up for debate the helmet. I mean, the helmet coming yeah. off, and I think, like, so if anybody hasn't read the comic book, the sort of big plot point is you've never revealed Dredd's face. He's sort of this semi-anonymous uh, uh, street judge who you never see his full face, and, and he's sort of kept in profile, and all you really see is his jawline, kind of like Batman, right? Which, you know, if you're making a statement about 
fascism <laughs> and yeah, it's a good bureaucracy yeah. and, and or like the way like yeah uh, not it's, seeing the face to impersonalize that and yeah. just is a very effective <laughs> important kind of aspect well this movie that. threw that out the window about as fast as you could and yeah. i think uh, <laughs> they still do it like it's a big reveal like i know and it's like like we're on movie five of the series <laughs> i know and i'm like i it, it's the thing that got me about that was one it's so uh I, I don't i think that's a stallone note i i do not believe that stallone's like well, uh, i can't show my a face. little thing the director did bitch about um he hated working with stallone and that stallone was changing a lot of stuff in the script too and i, I don't know believe that. What, but yeah it sounds like stallone's notorious just, for stealing yeah. like basically stealing writing credits for stuff <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and it also smacks of him taking the helmet off the studio, being like, "We're not shelling out all this money for, for this guy. Sylvester Stallone and never showing his face." Like, like they're just not going to do that. So that takes me to two points I wanted to make. Were um, <laughs> one, the movie poster for this face. I was I was staring at it. Uh, <laughs> sounds weird that I was doing that, but hey, <laughs> uh, I had that kind of time in my hands. But if you look at the movie poster, it is just. Um, it's it's a cool perspective because it's just Dredd's helmet with the reflective visor, and you just kind of see Mega City One reflecting back. But then it's Stallone's jawline, and it looks like it's been thinned out. And then he looks like he's <laughs> yeah. like a he's the precursor at it now. <laughs> to like women's duck face, collagen filled lips. And so I just look at it, and all I can stare at is these big shrimp colored lips that are <laughs> like on his face. <laughs> No, so, the, the more I stared at it, the more it looks like it looks yeah, unnatural. It looks right? Yeah, it just looks super. Yeah, and they like, definitely thinned his face down. But it's actually really cool. Um, it's a. Con- I like the concept. The more you stare at it, though. The well, in, in the visor, <laughs> you can see a reflection of the kind of dystopian sci-fi yeah. city and stuff. And that's really it's just yeah, the face they didn't quite they didn't didn't quite do right. They didn't quite get there. Uh, but the so other thing about the mask and uh, is when he takes it off, they reveal he's got these crazy looking blue eyes they have these horrible looking blue contacts um and i don't know why I, the only thing i could think was they used because Ma- max von sidow's eyes are blue they're trying to draw the conclusion that that dreads so dreads a clone of of him that was the kind of the only thing i could kind of peg that on but god they spend all this time doing close-ups throughout the movie on dread and on rico with these shitty looking blue contacts it just looks it looks like a robot he looks like a, an android or something he doesn't look human and i guess he sort of is but that never <laughs> that never bothered me i don't know why uh, i did notice he had the blue eyes but um i don't know it never it never bugged me i don't know look deeper michael look deeper into his eyes <laughs> i was able to suspend disbelief enough to <laughs> to get past the blue eyes well, that's really my only fault with the movie is his fucking <laughs> contacts so, other than that all aces flawless <laughs> um well so you know we talked a little bit about the involvement i think again he, he's been sort of notorious for having to rescue projects i think that's probably kind of what this was here this definitely feels like some cobbled together scripts um what's interesting is it i thought this was this was a financial flop as well uh it's it probably kind of is on on hollywood math but i think it did uh, it had a $90 million budget, which was a lot of money, obviously, in 1995. Uh, but I think it's, its box office was like $115 million 
think most of that was yeah. well, most of the international is what saved us, though I believe. Yeah, yeah and so fourteen worldwide. Yeah, and I'm so I'm sure for the studio they viewed it as a disappointment. Um, and especially for Stallone, the U.S. box office, it, it's kind of starting um, or this continuing is- a trend a bit because Demolition Man wasn't as big a hit as I thought it was. It had a much smaller budget though. Um, so worldwide, that probably was fine. But it kind of starts a trend for Stallone of not bringing in these monster hits, potentially losing money, where it kind of starts to to fade for him for a stretch here. Yeah, I mean, he, he still has some decent movies after this or kind of around this time, but I kind of feel like the last movie, I mean, Demolition Man was big, but if, if you're going back to me, like the, the big 80s type movies, it was probably like Cliffhanger was the last one he did around this time that was like really, to me, like a, okay, it's like a big 80s style action yeah. movie where he's he's the lead. And I was thinking about it too, you know, Stallone has kind of a weird run with sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff. Um, Schwarzenegger's been a been always a little bit better. I watched uh, Total Recall last night and uh, mm-hmm. um, Schwarzenegger just pulls off sci-fi a little bit better for whatever reason, or maybe he just has better taste and kind of what what the right script is for him but uh because he in his sci-fi outings if you kind of go off of um schwarzenegger stuff you know around this time maybe a little bit earlier verhoven's the director for um total recall we already talked about on the on the hudson hawk episode but you know he had cameron cameron's doing t2 in the early 90s i think yeah schwarzenegger's had a better eye for that stuff well stallone's just not working with good directors yeah on this on on some of these things that or the way like compared to um schwarzenegger working with verhoeven or james cameron or even like bruce willis working with like a luke Besson on big yeah. elements that you're just you have a, someone who has a vision um an established track record of a career before and after that it's like yeah stallone just didn't and i, I, I don't know i mean you can't always predict that stuff. Um, this Danny Cannon guy easily could have um, gone on to do something that I don't know if he would have known at that time how like whether he would have or not. <laughs> I well, and that that's that kind of gels with everything I've I've heard is that Stallone likes to throw his weight around. I'm sure Schwarzenegger does too. I'm sure Willis did too. But I kind of wonder if like there's a little bit more humility in Schwarzenegger knowing when to defer mm. to, cert- to a certain point or if there's enough personality from a Cameron or a Verhoeven to just that's a good point tell him how it is and not either not take his his crap or or he or he's at least smart enough to know kind of when to follow the lead instead of oh, just right, trying because to... Stallone's an established writer director um successful and if that if it's just not in a room for a that's director, a, that's a big ego, yeah, yeah, a director who'd have the vision of like a James Cameron to, is just not going to be able to work with Stallone, like, it's just not going to. And this is 95, so Rocky came out in I think 76, so yeah, damn, I mean, like, sure. that is a crazy run for Stallone, and like, it's not even just it's that's that's three decades at that point he's made hits, and like, he he won the Oscar, I think, in 77 for Rocky. And then he had just like he was yeah. sort of one of the guys of the 1980s and still kind of had that title going into the 90s. I mean, like, I kind of get it. Like Stallone had had done better than a lot of the other action guys. He, he had an Academy Award. He'd actually made critically acclaimed movies, not just sort of popcorn movies. So it's yeah, you get why he'd be like, 
my he'd be like hey i think i know what i'm doing like, yeah, let me, <laughs> like, i got this let guy me, let me work. cook here like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well um speaking of things that he like cook uh rob snyder um i will say if anybody's interested in, <laughs> if anybody has just absolutely 20 minutes to waste uh there is a fantastic <laughs> documentary about this movie on um uh on youtube and it's called stallone's law the making of judge dread uh which i highly would i i do highly recommend because it, it has the production value for a movie that was made with 90 million dollars it has the production value of like a straight to video fitness like like workout thing like the, the, the whole soundtrack sounds like like a like a jane fonda workout video and then it's just stallone sitting in a chair cracking some really bad scripted jokes and then spending about 10 at 10 minutes just shitting on Rob Schneider, uh, who throughout the movie is just complaining about how, how much he got hurt. Um, so I, I will say, I just wanted to get that shout out that people should definitely check out um, uh, Stallone's law, because I do think that that title alone is like a microcosm for probably a lot of the issues this movie suffered from. <laughs> so just want to, just wanted to insert that, that, uh, that promo there. <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> so I'm curious that it obviously wasn't a hit. And I wonder if it's also kind of a nail in a coffin for Hollywood making these R rated action movies. Cause when, um, well, I don't know. You look at this year kind of see anything Jim's, I don't know. Die Hard with a Vengeance is this year. And that's a huge hit. Um, and that, so maybe not quite yet, but it seems that, like that, kinda, that, maybe, they're not spending 90 million making an R rated movie. Maybe. That's the lesson there. No, and I, at this time too, I think comic book, comic book, quote, comic book movies had a kind of a s- slight stigma attached to them. Still, as kind of being a nerdy property or an unknown, because you know you're still sitting at a good what twenty years before the Marvel universe is really in full effect with oh yeah with what they're doing. So I mean, like you're this. And then I would go on and say Blade comes out, I think, the year after this, or maybe maybe 97. And Blade's kind of the Jesus first, Christ. first besides like a Batman or a Superman, it's kind of like the first dark um, um, superhero movie to make a breakthrough. And, so and like, I, I, <laughs> not good. No, go, go. I would say, so I, I retract my point and <laughs> maybe just audiences realize this was a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to disprove it. And decided I, not to go. That, that I, I, seems, I think, I, think, I, I don't um, know if we need to make it more complicated than that. <laughs> that's fair. I, I, I do think that, um, well, no, I, I mean, you have a point because there's, there's still some movies throughout the nineties, like even the early two thousands that were just not good. They were superhero movies because they just hadn't figured the formula out yet. And I think this one, like I said, this one suffers from really misreading the, the material, the source material. Yeah. And, and I think a lot I think, of comic book flops, that's what you see. Or they yeah. don't they don't know what to take and what not to. And so they take some stuff that is good in the comic, but like so his I forget what you said, his law his gun is called like lawmaker. I think it's the lawmaker law, lawmaker, I think. Uh, and he can which they never really pay this off later. Um, it's only the opening scene where he can talk to it and tell it to, and it can change what kind of rounds it's going to shoot. It's going to be like a grenade or like semi-automatic or like whatever. Um, and I was like, Oh, I bet that seems really awesome in a comic in a movie. It really stands out of how like kind of impractical that would be in a firefight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. 
uh, like you're, you're you're letting the guys you're about to shoot know what you're gonna do before you right. actually do yeah. it. Yeah, it's not that not so good. Look, if I'm in a firefight with James Remar, <laughs> I'm not you, giving that fucker any inside knowledge. No, so I mean, he uncredited James Remar too. I think I don't remember seeing his name. No, that's why I so I had to ask you who it was. Um, because I was like, I know that guy. He's obviously and I was like, oh, okay, James. <laughs> that but, fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, James Remar from I think the, probably the most famous role he has is is he plays the the primary I can't think of what the character's name is but the primary villain in um, Forty Eight Hours. Him and um, uh, the other guy's name is Billy Bear. What is his name? Uh, Sonny Landon uh, is, is his partner <laughs> yeah. in in uh, Forty Eight Hours. And then he's also <laughs> he's also in our favorite, The Quest, <laughs> um, <laughs> with Jean Claude Van Damme and. Uh, uh, has a couple a small role in Fast and the Furious, and then, and then he was in the Warriors, another Walter Hill movie yeah. in the in the late seventies, The Warriors, which was a, a fun one. Uh, so, I, it was like almost like you got too good of a guy to just be a throwaway in this because they they basically off him in the first five minutes. With yeah, the, I was trying to figure out if he like just like, could show up for a few days and it was fun to do because he's like. I mean, I'll give him credit. He's for sort of the uncredited. He's bringing it. He's, he's bringing he's, a lot. Yeah, of he's bringing some fire. Uh, or if it, like after the movie was made, just like yeah, no thanks, guys. You can take my <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll pass. You my can take my credit. name off it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't need this getting followed with SAG for any reason. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, that's that's a good. I wanted. I wanted something I want to touch on was was the acting because there's people in this who are in different movies in the same scene. Um, Armand Asante. Uh, I say this a lot. I know, but he's at an eleven the entire movie. Yeah, he never lets up. No, and it's like I think he kind of knows what he's going for, and I I think I at least appreciate that because it gives you some 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 high points of just the acting because a lot of and, and even um I think his name's Jurgen uh, Procknow, the guy who plays uh, the evil yeah. judge Judge Griffin, who's sort of the the initial bad guy in the movie. Um, they at least kind of play it up. I mean, for the most part, even for Stallone, he's he's kind of deadpan, and I think. I think that in Stallone's mind, that was him trying to play the role of this very stoic, very, um, um, I don't know what the right word is, but sort of um, quiet and, and and together Judge Dredd. And I think Stallone's trying something here, but because the rest of the movie, the way it plays out, I think you, you, you I, my takeaway was like Armand Asante is just <laughs> dialing it up all the time. And I, I, I'm kind of there for it because it's, it's at least entertaining. <laughs> It is. It is. It's. It. But it's also um, kind of the movie has like no subtext and no subtlety. So he's just <laughs> he's the bad guy. So he's just like <laughs> every single thing he does is either evil or crazy, or both. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and both if possible. <laughs> like, uh, so there's no. There is a feeling though that he was once cast the motivation only... for him of like yeah. Well, and they kind of like spoil that. Like the motivation is not really there, other than he's just like, we cloned him. He's evil. He was evil before. We put him in jail. He's still evil. That's kind of like the. That's kind of his arc. Um. So that's kind of a, a letdown. But I do. Th- I do have this. I, I'd like to go back and look this up. It does feel like Armand Asante got this role purely because, from like fifty yards out, he kind of looks like Stallone. <laughs> like that's. I feel like that's. That's the only reason that they they had that is somewhat plausible. They're like yeah. brother or clones from the same thing. Yeah, which I had said. He was like, "How mad was Frank Stallone?" When 
He's an actor and literally still owns a brother. Maybe that's where you should spend 10% of the movie more of the budget. It's just like, let's go throw nine more million and it's still the Stallone family and let's get or, Frank. Or there's there's like a third brother who's just uh, like a real fuck up. Larry Stallone. Yeah. No, no, that's what you do Frank Stallone ads in the movie. Oh he's no, like I a thought third, he's a yeah, well, he's, a, he's like a third joke. Oh, you he's mean like, like add a third clone? I'm sorry. Yeah. And like, like he's kind of like um uh Oh, is it like multi, like like a multiplicity like a to their uh I think yeah. it's like a multiplicity situation. <laughs> yeah, like like maybe they clone they clone Rico and he's just a dumber version of Rico. Or something <laughs> like that. I like that. That's actually a more fun plot than, than what this movie puts it out as. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I liked I liked Armando Sante at least making some really big choices. Uh, he's got some great monologues where he's just it's just him mugging for the camera, uh, and I think that's kind of fun. Um, and then you know that some of the other cast that I, I liked was Diane Lane's goodness. Almost feels like she's too good, and Max on Max von Sydow is is too good to be in this movie almost as well. Yeah, um, I mean, he does a lot of kind of roles like this in Hollywood. That's the kind of a it felt like veteran he, he, father he, figure, yeah. like, and he just has so much gravitas and weight to him uh, yeah. that he can really pull. A movie and scenes <laughs> up quite a bit um and so I, I always enjoy seeing him but yeah it's kind of um and i get like he kind of works for that role yeah. diane lane i was just like i mean i'm happy to see her she's great in the movie uh but it's like why are you like why are you casting someone who can do what diane lane can do in this role like give her more to do if you're gonna yeah if you're casting her I watched in, in that the making of documentary Stallone's Law. Um, they have a couple of kind of quick cuts of, of an interview with her, and she just seems really nonplussed about being on set. And so, and, I, and I'm not trying to be you know, meaner, and I don't think she was she was trying to come across that way necessarily. But it was just sort of like I could sense you could almost sense there's some frustration. And I, I think when I think about the caliber, to your point, the caliber of what she can probably do, and then and then what sort of shows up on the screen. It's just kind of like, eh, it's weird. Like they, it's kind of like the same role that Annie McDowell had. The problem they ha- was is they, they position her initially as a strong female lead. And as the movie goes on, that sort of falls away. And it's, it, she doesn't maybe go to the Annie McDowell levels of squeaking like a dolphin, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah, she kind of just, besides fighting another woman at the end, she doesn't really have a lot of like, agency and throughout the rest of the movie so i don't know it's kind of disappointing um it just feels like they wasted some talent here um yeah she's kind of just there basically her role in the movie is to make us not think that uh judge dreads a giant asshole because there's like this one person who seems very nice who likes him like it's kind of her function (laughs) yeah that's that's true um well, speaking of assholes, uh, let's talk about <laughs> Rob Schneider's role in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm. Let's talk really about Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo of, of Mega City One. <laughs> I really want to know how much in the Rob Schneider comedic release stuff is D'Souza, and how much is them on set, the director Stallone, Schneider himself, like. Um, I, and I have no answer to it because I could see it being 100% D'Souza because he can write some comedic stuff. And if 
And he might not be thinking Rob Schneider is going to be the one cast to deliver these lines. Yeah, um, I think that's a good point. Or they got Rob Schneider and were like, oh, we need to like punch these up a little bit. And so on set there, like, oh, what would be funny? Rob, do something funny. Make a joke about Cursed Earth Pizza. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like annoyed as a kid, even by his role. Um, and it's nothing against Rob Schneider, the person. I just like the role is just annoying, kind of sniveling character. He's kind of just there as a plot device to justify how Dread figures some stuff out. But I was also thinking about it too. And it's like Stallone, I think, is earnestly trying to play Dread. Again, a straight-laced, stoic judge who who's who lives and dies by the law, and that's really all he has, right? They kind of set him up. He doesn't have any friends, he doesn't have any loved ones, he's a he doesn't have a family. So I was thinking they probably had to bring in the Fergie character is like a we need some levity at some point throughout this because it doesn't make sense to inject that through dread. It's not like he's a John McClane yeah. type character where <laughs> yeah. he's going to be wisecracking or anything. So if you need levity, they're like, well, why don't we just introduce for like a third of the movie? We'll have this kind of two hander between Fergie and dread. And, and I, I get why they did it. I just don't think Schneider or the jokes work. Like they're just not, they're not funny outside of like, may of 1995 to like august 1995 <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i was wondering too if they worked better in the moments some of the jokes um and it's hard to say because we would have been like 11 or 12 watching this um and so they probably did work better for us <laughs> at that time um i was wondering how it would play if it, say it's like 95 and you cast like steve buscemi in that role and so he's doing those lines a little more ironically um, and and that's a little more so you get like John McClane climbing through an air van being like oh, now I know what like a TV dinner feels like and like he's not the way Bruce Willis delivers that is more it's not like a stand up comedian delivery of like a zinger it's yeah a bit of a one liner but it's like also like he's put upon he's like and I could see Steve Buscemi having more of an eye roll and acknowledging, oh, like this is kind of a lame joke, but I'm delivering it in a way where like we're both in on this being a lame joke and that makes it funny. All right, take take uh Buscemi's character from Desperado, the opening. It's he's sort of the he's sort of Antonio Banderas' sidekick. I think if you kind of had that more wry sort of snarky humor, I think that works better. I mean, <laughs> I guess we're not like cracking big secrets here steve muscemi is a better actor than rob schneider <laughs> yeah all right fair oh uh, yeah uh, i mean i guess that's like what if we took a really good actor and put him in this role what if we took that guy from fargo and made put him in a really <laughs> shitty role that was probably very two-dimensionally written yeah i mean it's, again it's nothing it's probably rob schneider i just think it feels like a very 1995 choice to have him yeah i just the character it's on on the screen is just really annoying and i think he's written that way but it's also like he's only kind of there to get dread through like very small pieces like he reprograms the the adorable abc warrior robot at the end he <laughs> he's kind of the the justification for 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 uh part of a fight that happens to when dread, dread escapes from the the plane to aspen i mean it's just, I don't know, like, it's not a character that's fully formed. Again, it felt like some like a studio note where somebody asked them to inject a character to probably 
punch up everything for like 30 yeah. minutes of the movie. And it's just like, eh, you can kind of do it without it too. Also feels a little bit like a studio decision of, oh, like that's the making copies guy from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Uh, like that's the guy from Die Hard. From that's gonna pull in. That's gonna pull in like this demographic of an audience that we're not getting. That's gonna like give us an extra ten million at the box office, or like uh, it, it feels like that kind of decision more than I. Yeah, this I is agree. the best actor for the role. I will say, like I, I mentioned earlier on the Stallone Stallone's Law thing, um, it's it is hard to tell if Stallone is genuinely laughing at him at like certain points. Like he's like really enjoying his humor or if it's just like he's doing, he's putting on his act to try and, 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 and mug for, for the, uh, for the documentary. But it seems like there's times where he is genuinely entertained by Rob Snyder. So it's like, I can I also can see, see Stallone be like, Hey, I watched, uh, I like this Night guy. Night he's funny. I like you got to get guy. him in the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So I wanted to ask you about one scene in particular. Um, that always has stood out to me. But so, uh, again, if you've not seen the movie, Stallone gets framed. His kind of clone brother, Rico, um, escapes from prison with the help of this one senior judge guy. And because they have the same DNA, they're able to frame um, Dredd for a murder of this TV reporter who's uh, been reporting on General the General Peter judges. McAllister <laughs> from Lethal Weapon. Uh, so they find Stallone uh, or Dread guilty, and so he's like stripped of his rank and banished from the city to go live in cursed earth. Um, and he's on the same like transport as Rob Schneider's character Fergie. And uh, so <laughs> out in the cursed earth, they encounter I guess they're called the Angel Family. <laughs> and this is a scene that always like really stood out for me, and it really is only like. 10 minutes like i don't know it's it's short yeah it's but a it's real a family small. of like i think like, are they like borderline the people like the family from texas chainsaw massacre level of creepy insane yeah it, i mean it's from the comic the angel family's from the comic book and I, I don't think they actually say his full name but the guy with the the dial on the kind of the the mechanical arm his name is mean machine um, and so it, it, that's a straight they list. Say something about they say, that, I think they call yeah. him Mean or something like that. But but the, his full name is like Mean Machine Angel, and he's a comic book. He's a character, kind of a bigger villain, and and in a couple of different uh, story arcs for, for Dread, the early comic book series. Um, I mean, it's kind of fun that they pull in some elements like that from the comic book. But to your point, man, they waste a lot of time with them just out in in cursed Earth. Uh, and and setting up the angel family and it never really pays off other than it's a way to kill off judge fargo halfway through the movie and so it's supposed to give it's supposed to give dread this sort of motivation to get revenge <laughs> for for fargo but it just doesn't yeah it's supposed to be upset, his like but it's like man well because they literally have a scene where he's like staring at the statue of liberty with like lightning behind him with this dramatic music playing and it's like oh this is no that's be... that, that's blind justice that's the statue the blind justice statue of justice yeah and that's supposed to be his like realization of what justice like truly means <laughs> and uh is what the visuals communicate the plot and story do zero job communicating that <laughs> and again that's where this movie fails is you think he's learning a lesson like that's like the tipping point for him and at the end, okay, what happens? He he, um, 
Judge Judge Griffin, Griffin, the uh, the sort of main evil judge, uh, he kills off the entire council. He takes over after they've approved this council uh, or the council's approved this starting what's called the Janus program, which is to, to basically bring all these clones out and, and roll these clones out that are the same program that, that bore Dredd and, and Rico. And they're going to use this to restock all of these judges that somehow in a 48 hour period, Rico has helped kill 108 judges, which is insane. <laughs> Uh, and, and so I think that's kind of the, the, the whole big plot point. But at the end of it, the very ending, the ending scene, Dredd walks out into this, into the street after he's defeated Rico and uh, after, after Griffin's been ripped apart by that ABC warrior. And so the council has been dissolved. They've already set up that Mega City One is basically a complete shit show and the whole thing's caving in and melting down on itself. And they're like, uh, Judge Dredd, will you consider... Will you consider running the council? And he's like, I'm a street judge and I'm very yeah. late for work. And yeah. so it's like, they just told you the whole city's fucked. And you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to help you guys out. Yeah. And he goes right back out to being this fascist symbol. <laughs> you're just like, okay. It's like zero arc for this guy who was supposed to learn a lesson. Other than yeah. he made out with Diane Lane in front of everybody else at work. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's his arc. I guess because Diane Lane's clearly interested in him at the start, and he only has like time for justice in the law. And I guess now he's willing to like maybe have a, know, have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like that's the big reveal for him. Congratulations, you're fourteen. Like, uh, yeah, at age forty, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Judge Dredd is going steady with somebody. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this Angel family. Um, is what always was one of the big things that stood out to me. And I think some of why is because it takes such a, like, a weird left turn for the movie. Because he's like banished from the city. You spend like 10, maybe 15 minutes outside the city. And he immediately gets back into the city. Um, and it's such like a bizarre little turn. But to your point, you had brought up um, the kind of banter with him and Schneider. I think that's one of the reasons it always stood out to me. You get a lot of that. In that in that section, that scene of him and Schneider, kind of, kind of bantering back and forth, or like getting on each other's nerves, or like, yeah, be like, I'm not with him, like, kind of <laughs> lines, um, and like Schneider's not up to like the task of <laughs> of carrying his weight in that in those scenes. No, I, I to your point, if you had like a Steve Buscemi, Buscemi, and actually I hope we covered it at some point. If if you watch Steve Buscemi in, in the 1997 Escape from L.A., he kind of has the same role. Yeah, is, he's is really what and Fargy that's a is bad he, movie, but yeah, it is a bad good, movie. I is. love John Carpenter. I love Kurt Russell, but that is a not a good movie. Um, uh, but he does kind of have the same role, but he's at least a more interesting character. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I guess. Yep. I I just think you're right. Like if you had a if you had somebody who's stronger to play off of Stallone maybe those jokes land better again it just it kind of just feels like his character is kind of just whining the whole time and you're like eh, okay it's like it's not fun it's not fun dialogue you're just like yeah. listening to him complain until dread saves his ass in the next scene that's kind of how it goes is like there's like three big set pieces after this where it's a crybaby schneider character a fergie character and then stallone's dread saving him from whatever the the, the impending danger is and it's kind of like they just keep beating that drum over and over again. It gets old pretty quick. Yeah. And it, you kind of bring it. It's a little boring and that's his character is kind of one dimensional of just a whiny coward. 
until he's like kind of not at the end, but there's no real reason <laughs> given right. for that. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I, and, and I don't know if it's all Schneider's fault. It's not. Um, it's definitely. I, I think not. a great actor like Buscemi could bring more to the role and take more. But I think Schneider's doing what's on the page and probably doing what he was asked to do. I agree. It's just there's not anything else there. And he's, I mean, he's a comedian. He's not a like a great dramatic actor. Um, no, I, 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 you're right. And I'm probably being a little some, uh, Not that I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's still Rob Schneider, but <laughs> he still played the animal. <laughs> God. So when are we doing our Rob Schneider run of movies? Uh, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what, what movie I want to start with. Guys, we're canceling this, and we're exclusively now a Rob Schneider podcast. Yeah, we're going to change the we're going to change the title of this. I mean, I, I mean, I liked Rob Schneider in the '90s. It's just, I think here it's just the way the again, it's the way the character is set up. It's like you're, it's supposed to be kind of like you begrudgingly like him because the humor, but the way it kind of sticks, it just doesn't. It it just does. It's just not set up for that to happen. Like that 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 dynamic was never. Right. I I feel we've talked about Rob we Schneider enough. Uh, we should probably. <laughs> Um, just I'm looking at our notes here. Well, so one of the questions I, I kind of, or not one of the questions, but one of the points I was going to raise, and you, you brought it up with the Angel Family, and I think it's a good one. Is I, I, I think they just chose the wrong dread plot line. Um, I think if you had kept it exclusively in Mega City, or you had it out in the Cursed Earth, but he's in sort of the full dread regalia and and with the helmet and everything. And you kind of stick it closer to one of the co- the comic books. You you just have one big set piece. I think you this was this would be a better movie. Uh, and that was just a big takeaway I had was the the sets are impressive. You can tell they're big. You can tell they spent a lot of money to build them. And what's disappointing is when you when you watch the movie, a lot of the sets kind of feel like generic Blade Runner, or they feel like yeah. generic um, future stuff and it just I, I wish they had spent more time on on a single location or a single kind of area and that's actually what the 2012 one gets right is the entire movie takes place basically during a block war and almost the entire movie is set inside of a, 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 a high-rise apartment building and okay. so that, that kind yeah. of makes for a cool setting because you, you isolate the characters it feels like very much just a one episode comic book of dread but but they 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 build the world and i think that's where this this misses out is they don't do anything that's kind of fun future stuff other than like stuff can fly and <laughs> then that james remar scene at the beginning with 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 uh with you know the block wars so it's like they kind of take some small strides to set up the world but other than a lot of exposition with the, the opening scroll and then some character dialogue and a little bit of visuals, you don't get a good sense for the city and how bad things are. They just keep telling you things are bad. And I think that's where they missed an opportunity to either go big on like showing all these crazy deformed people that are out in the, in the cursed earth. Um, they're living in this, this radioactive, this kind of radioactive desert or go big on the crime and, and like why mega city one is, is so bad. Cause I think the worst thing they show you besides the block, the block wars is that D'Souza named character? Yeah, uh, yeah had, a having a DUI, <laughs> and, and then Dread actually is worse. Dread blows up his fucking car. Yeah, and that's what they just they they just don't show enough. You it's don't a, really get a feel for how good or bad 
like there's some people it kind of implies some people have it really good and some people have it really really bad and there's not there's just not enough exploration of how that's happening what people's opinions are on that what's and you could have just used some um kind of like in like robocop you see him kind of just patrolling around for kind of like a montage exactly you could have used like a montage of dread not like not just blowing up guy like one guy with a dui's car um kind of thing because that opening scene is is really good it's effective it um, is oh, I, I like it that's I think it's, could that could be the point. opening scene of a good movie uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> but then there's no more development from there they don't there's nothing it doesn't go anywhere it, for the character or the plot really it it feels like somebody wrote that scene and that setup for everything and that was how they pitched the movie. And then it was like all the ideas and kind of creative energy got used up there. And, and yeah. it was like, it just, it, it just doesn't ever kind of get back to that, that same level. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that opening scene. <laughs> we talked for like two minutes about the rookie. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the rookie. That fucking, so the opening that scene, fucking idiot. Stallone, uh, dread rolls up and these people are firing him. He just standing in the middle of the street and he's like, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, they're 400 meters away. The like lethal the, distance the of minimum uh, blah, lethal blah, range for 300 meters. Yeah. 300 meters. And so he's like, oh, You're why safe. are you hiding? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, so it's him, Dread Hershey, and this rookie judge. And the rookie is like typical rookie, like a little scared, doesn't know what to do. And then <laughs> they go in the building and Dread like takes a bunch of guys out. And the rookie gets cocky really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Something he didn't even do. And he goes and like bangs the door down and immediately just gets like a shotgun to the gut. Um, I feel like that was a theme in movies around this time because that happens in Lethal Weapon 3. And I think, was that 1994? Or that sounds right. Okay, so it was around there. There's a, there's a rookie cop that's like this kid who gets shot and that that becomes an impetus for, for Riggs' revenge. Because his they they can't focus on his dead wife anymore, so they have to give him somebody else to go finish. <laughs> so they give him this kid that gets this uh, young cop that gets killed. And I don't know, like the rookie. It's like I, I think like when Judge when Judge Dredd's teaching the class to all those rookies, like I don't think he's doing a very good job. Like no, like, the way to demonstrate like how they're going to survive stuff is him just shooting the armor and stuff bouncing <laughs> off of it. But I'm like, well, it's like covering like maybe twenty percent of your body. Like, yeah. like maybe the whole part where your heart is, you should probably protect that besides your shoulders with these <laughs> giant, like, or like, I don't know, tactics <laughs> or tactics of just not barging into a room with people who are armed. It was just, yeah, it, just, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I don't. And they I'll, set it up too, where um, Max von Sydow, Sydow, his character is like tells Dread, like, I want you to come to the school and like, I want you to talk like about ethics. And it's like, okay, like this. Yeah, he never does that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what we've seen, he clearly needs that. And then they never do it. <laughs> no, like, it, shows, it shows him using the motorcycle, which fails, which is a great joke. And uh, <laughs> then it shows him shooting armor and then showing them the the the, the book of law, which is it looks like a little pocket Bible. And that's it. Like, the, I, he, nothing he wants, nothing they ask him. He doesn't do anything they ask him to do. And it's funny. I think the only reason they show the rookie being killed is one, it's supposed to imply how dangerous it is to be a judge, but two, it kind of it kind of gives Hershey, um, which is Diane Lane's character, uh, Judge Hershey, a chance to sort of 
be human. And so I think literally actually they just show this character being killed only to show the juxtaposition between Hershey being humanizing and, and, and Dredge being a jerk because he comes over and says, it's not your fault that he made a mistake or something like that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, it's really my takeaway is kind of it's just some it seems like some really interesting source material that it seems like the comics oh we're gonna um, touch on I, some I probably source material some. here <laughs> don't worry uh, you want it you want to go into it now we can no i'm gonna save it when we get to my our 10 percent of budget but okay no, <laughs> the source material i will say that the comic books are are fun uh, it's far more sci-fi and a, a lot more outlandish um, than than what the movie is, um, and I think that that that's why the comics are fun. Um, and again, the, the comic book has a a perspective or what it wants to do with um, with the humor and the, and the cynicism. That, that again, this, the movie just loses all all traces of that to its to its detriment. And it seems like material that. Hollywood, a Hollywood studio in 1995 with Sylvester Stallone just wasn't like Hollywood was not in a place where they were going to land that. That's just not what they were doing with big blockbuster movies, like kind of more post like the Dark Knight or something. You could see. Well, I mean, think about you could trust the studio to maybe see how that vision would work. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm checking it real quick. I think I'm right though. Yeah, Bad Boys, the first Bad Boys came out in 1995, and it's like if yeah. you want to talk about an action movie that can actually bring humor and deliver it, and it's kind of a good two hander, where you have a straight man and a, and a funny guy, that movie delivers it like in space. Like it, I I love Bad Boys one, and I think in 1995, that's where action movies are pivoting. Yeah, and so I, is Stallone just kind of out of touch just like yeah i think so past his prime and a little bit and almost uh, made me wonder if he was trying to build a franchise at this point with dread and and Mm. and maybe that's kind of where i i think maybe i i'm curious i don't have anything to back it up other than just curious that i wonder if his ego steers this movie a little bit to to lose some of the cynicism because he can't have the character being a fascist because he's the lead Right, and so you can never, then you can never have the journey away from that. Exactly, because there's no, there's nothing to journey away from. Everything's working just the way. But he then wants. he's just a fascist the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so by doing that, he actually makes makes the character look worse. But I, I don't think that's how it was interpreted in 1995. So, yeah, I, I think I think the movies, I think the action genre was probably just pivoting away from kind of that 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 1980s style of, of movie. Yeah, and I guess it's probably for audiences, you know, I mean, it's 95, like, what's Commando, like, 85? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a decade after that. Like, yeah, people were probably just Cobra ready was, for... Cobra was 85 or 86, so, I mean... Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's probably just for audiences, like, oh, I've seen this guy. Yeah, it's like... Do this, and this is... yeah, Kind of do no wrong. And it's going for the Gimby, like, Cliffhanger, kind of has, like, he's on a mountain. Um kind of gimmick or yeah. is this is supposed to be he's judge dread i guess it's not a gimmick it's like but that's he's judge jury executioner and that's supposed to intrigue you um i guess but, i mean yeah. th- th- i actually think there's parallels to cobra because if you think it, like i'm probably yeah i'm, it is I'm a character getting way, i'm getting like way, cobra <laughs> i'm getting way too deep on 
characters that are already extremely two-dimensional but cobra like it's the same thing of like he goes through this this huge conflict he he has all um to fight off this cult of unknown um, um motorcyclist satanists that that kill people with axes uh but he goes through that and he kills a bunch of people and there's really no change in the character at least in like cliffhanger stallone's character kind of goes through some sort of redemption i mean it, it's you have to kind of look for it right but there's some redemption with him and Michael Rooker's character uh, towards the, towards the end here. It's just, again, it's more like Cobra where he kills a bunch of people. There's a lot of action in the middle, things that should change his outlook on the, on the world don't. And then he goes right back to what his job is of probably just killing a lot of people. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Again, it's just the whole lack of lack of an arc. Um, all right. I feel like I beat that to death. So I have to ask you, um, <laughs> what would you do with Carl Weathers in this movie? <laughs> or let me reframe that. How, where would you cast him in this movie? Um, <laughs> so my, so my joke answer that was, uh, I think it's <laughs> right. the ABC, the ABC robot I'm replacing with Carl Weathers <laughs> and it's just Carl Weathers. It's, and I don't really care what they want to do. They can make him like an Android. He can just be Carl Weathers. He can have some other name. But so in so in the movie when Rico escapes from prison, he goes to this pawn shop and just happens to find this military grade robot that he's able to reactivate to be basically his like bodyguard. Um, and it's it, a little strange, but it, I, I it, it looks like a rock. It looks like a rock'em sock'em robot. <laughs> That's how bad of a, of a like mm-hmm. like the 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 crew built this thing. I think it actually looks like what's in the comic books. But it does look like somebody just made a twenty foot tall rock and soccer. Yeah, and it's one of those things that in a comic, like a comic book, because someone's drawing it, so it's they're bringing a perspective to different frames of a comic where that can work so much better than when you film something and you just get a much more literal look at it. Yeah, they're filming a real thing that is made to look like a cartoon, and it's just (laughs) it's not not great. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm like making that. I'm making that call with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, does he move as slow and and clumsily <laughs> as the actual ABC Warrior, or is he like? Look, I'm leaving. Rocky I'm leaving three. Is he like Rocky three? Because if he's like Rocky three, uh, Carl Weathers, where he's running through the ocean and he's like chasing you down, that's scary. That's like Terminator shit. I'm leaving that up to Carl. I, I, I have full faith, <laughs> full faith in him. <laughs> Uh, that's gonna be a lot funnier than mine um <laughs> all right um mine was i think i was just gonna dump the entire um brother subplot of with armana sante um i don't think you need it doesn't really pay off that well to me as the, the whole brother clone aspect i would dump the whole thing make carl weathers the, the bad guy and then and then you just make him like dreads partner from when they were in the academy together or something like that or like they were old friends and he he judged him and he went to jail and he escapes i just think that would have been a much no i love that i better, love that it's, yeah. the end fight to me that's actually like one of the weak points of the movie is in the third act one third act is too short i think that's just intrinsically a problem yeah, it, you, it, you, just, it, it just kind of ends, ends. <laughs> yeah it just yeah. kind of ends but then you have this big build-up that you think you're going to have a showdown between what in theory since they're clones should be these two physical e- rivals equally matched yeah equally yeah. matched rivals but you're not you just have a guy in a turtleneck and slacks trying to fight stallone <laughs> in the statue of liberty it's like it's like watching somebody's dad try and fight stallone 
So I, what, I, what I didn't like about that was, well, one, obviously the fight's kind of lame. And then most of it revolves around Rico getting a gun and, and almost killing Stallone or killing Dredd. So get, get Carl Weathers in there. Get somebody who actually has done it and can do it to, to be a physical kind of a physical foil to Stallone. And then you have like an more interesting third act and kind of final fight. Cause I mean, it's, it's a pretty, I don't know, it's a pretty weak ending, right? You know, they fight. Yeah. Uh, Stallone shoots a flare through that stupid lawmaster thing, the gun. It and then Rico, instead of paying attention to the guy he's about to kill, he turns around for about nine seconds and just stares at this flare that's behind him. He's <laughs> just like, okay. And then Stallone throws him off the dread, throws him off the Statue of Liberty. So, get, get, yeah, give me like a more imposing villain for this movie. Yeah, it would give a lot more weight to that final scene where. It feels like an equal match because it's just like, well, obviously, Dredd's gonna win because he's <laughs> like, look at his arms. <laughs> um, all right, well, where would you spend? Because I, I want to save mine for last. Where would you spend 10% more <laughs> of the budget of this movie? So, 90 million dollars, you got nine million to spend. Where are you gonna put it? Um, I, so this may not be possible. Uh, <laughs> Well, obviously, it's not possible. (laughs) No, no, I mean, they may have wanted to do this in the moment and just he said no or was doing other stuff. But I would want to try to hire Paul Verhoeven to take over the project and direct this. And I think he would be able to bring what we're talking about, the cynicism of this fascist group. Um Obviously, from RoboCop, he had a lot of trust that he'd be able to do that. Now, I know he's working on other stuff at this point. He may have had no interest in doing it. Show, uh, not Showgirls. What was he doing? <laughs> did he do Showgirls? He did. And that, that is, it's pretty close. Or Starship Troopers maybe he's doing would be Starship the other Troopers. maybe. But I think that's a little later. But that's that's a whole movie built on the premise of laughing at fascism. I mean, like that Starship um, Troopers so yeah, is Showgirls. exactly what, what this should have been. Showgirls is 95. So if we can just get him off Showgirls and putting him into Judge Dredd, <laughs> I think everyone's a winner in that scenario. <laughs> and maybe you make Elizabeth Berkley. Except for Elizabeth Berkley. Yeah, maybe you make her Judge Hershey instead so that Diane Lane's not <laughs> wasted in this. Um, I, I could see that. I could see that. That's, hey. that's kind of where I was going with it, bringing in someone with more of a vision that you would trust to actually pull this off. Well, I changed, I had an answer that I'd already written down. And then about 10 minutes before we were filming, I was standing in my kitchen and I don't know why I was thinking about this. But if you recall in Demolition Man, there are the franchise wars where the, I, I do recall where uh, Taco Bell, Burger King, McDonald's, they all somehow fight it out. And of course, Taco Bell is the only restaurant that survived the franchise wars in the year 2032 in San Angeles. So I was like, hey, that's interesting. I wonder if they had some crazy fast food tie-in to the uh, to to Judge Dredd. So I looked it up. Uh, they did not, which was disappointing. But I did find a really interesting comic book plot that I think I would spend my extra $9 million on to make this the, the entire premise of the movie instead of what they did. Uh, and that premise is Dredd uh, and a number of other street judges uh, have to... to uh, escape out into the cursed earth and stumble across the city of McDonald's city. 
and where they get into what's an actual plot line of the Dread story of a real franchise war where they're battling cities between McDonald's City and I think uh, I can't remember what the other one's called, but it's bur- like Burger King land. <laughs> and there's literal characters that are look like a king who is the Burger King and a guy who's dressed like a fucking clown like Ronald McDonald who are trying to kill each other and take out the other city. So it's a real life, uh, not demolition man franchise war where dread has to show down against Ronald McDonald. So I would take my extra 9 million and I would go buy the rights to the Burger King King and Ronald McDonald. So I could make the franchise wars movie with judge dread. I love it. <laughs> That's the most insane thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> and I, you know what's it, the worst part? I'm not even making this up. I literally just read this from a judge dread wiki page. <laughs> like, Somebody's just recapping one of like one of one of the comics, but I, and I want to go read it. So I I really really want to go. Yeah, yeah but I think that really highlights what we're talking about for a comic series. We're like that's a plot line. Mm-hmm. This movie has absolutely no like subtlety or understanding of what a story like what this character is supposed to be. I know. I love it. It's, it's such a crazy idea. I'm like, I feel like you kind of could make that today. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe change the names a little bit to suit yeah, suit into the ground. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, that's just kind of a fun premise. Like, I think that would be actually a pretty pretty inter- entertaining movie. And it's kind of yeah, like uh, it's kind of like what the bad guy was in Kingsman Two um, with Julianne Moore's uh, character, <laughs> where she kind of takes yeah. in, in like the South African jungle. She builds this like 1950s town. It's kind of like to her own design, but it's all built around these evil like henchmen and robots yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's like, kind of like, kind of like that. I think it could be fun. So that's where I'm spending nine million dollars is on uh, <laughs> just uh, like rebooting from the beginning. And- yeah, I, I'm we're we're throwing everything out. We're rebuilding the sets, and we're gonna we're gonna get the Burger King uh, down to set to, to make this thing. No, I, I, I'm gonna have to look up and see if I can find a place to read that, that storyline. This sounds spectacular. Pretty exciting. And I can't that... believe you sent me that literally ten minutes before we were gonna record. I'm sorry. And I was like, well, you can't send me gold like this right before we're going. <laughs> Do you think that Stallone would have rejected it because he's a health nut and actually takes care of himself? Because I feel like that, that might not be in his in his interest. I don't know if Judge does Judge Red end up killing both of them. Because maybe you'd um, like that. <laughs> well, I read on the wiki page, and this is a spoiler alert for anybody who wants to read the Burger King McDonald's City <laughs> subplot of uh, the 1970s comic book. Um, <laughs> that, the, that Ronald McDonald, using a whip with a knife on it, slits the throat of the Burger King. <laughs> so, <laughs> so was, I don't think Dread actually takes anybody out. I think I think it's like a literal franchise war, and they actually take each other out. But I, okay. I read the whole thing. I'm just, so, I'm just I'm just paraphrasing. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking I'm taking my nine million back, and I'm trying to get, use it to convince Stallone to play the Ronald McDonald character. <laughs> so that's the movie, and, and Dread's not even a, a party to it. It's yeah, just, it's just, just yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm on board. I, I think right now I would take my own personal money and I would probably put my my own money into that project. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I you might be able to talk Stallone into it today. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm well, sure he's looking for stuff. Yeah, he got divorced. I just saw he got these, his wife's filing for divorce, like breaking news. Yeah, just sad tragedy. 
I feel bad for him. How many times has that guy been married? At least three times. <laughs> yeah. That we know about. That's sad. So, well, all right. I've, so, only, I've, I've only been married twice, so, you know. You go. You've uh, not reached I get to judge those three-timers <laughs> as of now. <laughs> um, all right, what, do you, what would you rank this? This 1995 uh, uh, summer oh. classic of Judge Dredd. <laughs> Man, I think after talking, I think I may be going down a little bit, actually. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if this is down or what I had it at, but I think I'm going uh, two out of five for option editors. Uh, no, you, yeah, let me see. That might You might have actually come down on your ratings a little bit um, by half, but I think um, I'm not that... No, you, yeah, you came down your rating. <laughs> That's okay. And noted the problematic messages of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am kind of right there. I'm gonna have to give this, um, two and a half spaghetti delivery machines from, <laughs> from the beginning of the movie. Um, uh, or maybe I call them Rob Schneider sp- spaghetti robots is what I call it. Excuse me. So two and a half Rob Schneider Schneider spaghetti robots. <laughs> um, right. I love it. So I think we're, we're about to move on to our, our last movie here of the <laughs> oh, one more thing. IMDb already has that uh, the spouse filed for divorce. It there. happened Man, like that's, yesterday, that's, I think. Man, that's, that is, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, people it, just can't waste any time jumping I'm on I'm sure that. divorce is hard. Can you imagine when the entire world knows and it's a it's a breaking news story? Like that sucks. Yeah. Um, and I like I don't know what the backstory is. Maybe maybe it's the best thing for him. But I I just I do I do feel for somebody having to go through that in the, in the, in the public eye. That's not it can't be fun. Um, yeah, and they have three children together too. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, they've been married since '97. That's pretty. Maybe she saw this movie and she's like, I gotta get that guy. <laughs> <She> finally, <laughs> get <that> finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that that would be. That would be incredibly <laughs> tragic. <laughs> um, all right, so we have uh, the last, uh, our fifth, our fifth entry in the in the D'Souza Palooza, and it's actually, I think, it's his directorial debut. It's the the nineteen ninety four classic uh, Street Fighter, the movie, which is uh, uh, I'm pretty pumped about. Uh, again, another movie I was psyched for as a kid. I think that's a ninety four movie. Oh man, I remember everyone being excited. I mean, I mean everyone. And I'm saying like everyone in I don't know what like the fifth or sixth grade, but yeah, yeah I no, everyone was... being so excited for that movie. I'm 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 actually pretty pumped. I was reading up on it uh, already, and I didn't watch it again, but uh, I'm pretty pumped to see it. Uh, I will go ahead and give a little spoiler. I I think my sympathy is going to sit with D'Souza on this one. It's he was the director. It sounds like somebody who was dealing with a lot of conflicting ideas and priorities between Capcom and the studio and the actors. So I'm, I'm, yeah, and I mean, I've, yeah, you, you can see that in the movie. It's, it's a mess. Yeah, it, it definitely shows up. But like, I was gonna kind of rag on him a little bit, but then I read some of the background. I'm like, that's I've actually felt bad for the guy. It sounds, it sounds like he had a really tough time on set. So, uh, but yeah, yeah I definitely want to do some research of how he ended up being the director because it seems so if that's something he wanted and then the, the project just got crazy or if it was kind of a i don't know yeah yeah there wasn't wasn't any 
planning to do it and then kind of somehow just ended up doing that. Yeah, I'm very, really curious to get into this one. Uh, well, my sympathy goes out to him. <laughs> Even without <laughs> watching the movie again, from what I saw, it sounded like. But I also would like to know if he, he didn't really direct after that because this was a flop or because it was such a disaster. He was just like, nope, no, thank you. Never again. I, uh, oh, excuse me. Um, it could be that. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it was just a, uh, hey, I'm not going by the camera again. It's, it's too much of a pain because it, it, everything I read it just sound like he was he was combating uh, a lot of different forces in the in, in the movie. But uh, and anyway. Dams ten thousand dollar a week cocaine habit. Uh, according to IMDb, yeah, that yes. was uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, probably a pretty big problem. I don't I don't know how much cocaine costs, but I will say I feel like ten thousand dollars <laughs> a week is a lot of money. Uh, so especially That's when a, that was yeah, twenty that, something years ago. <laughs> Seems like a lot of money. Seems like you you have some friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm I I enjoyed Judge Red. Uh, I you know. Yeah, we bagged out it stuff, but I I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, <laughs> it's a movie, a DVD I own for some reason. Um, that's that's something we we should talk touch on more. And I, I think I I have now paid to watch this movie twice. I paid well, my family paid for me to watch it in 1995 in theaters. And then uh, I had to pay four dollars to watch this on, I think, on Amazon Prime. Um, uh, w- there's something people who don't know him that is very frightening about Mike is he, there, he has an abundance of these movies just on on tap and ready to like pull out of something or somewhere. <laughs> well, it's not fun to pay for him. And even now, there's still places to do it, but they're starting to disappear um, slowly, which makes me sad. But uh, once like Blu-rays kind of came out, or like. It, it's just been through various periods of time for various reasons where like a movie like this, you could find somewhere for like a dollar, like $3 and it'd be like, well, like you're saying you rented it for like $4 and be like, well, at some point in the next like 15 years, I probably want to watch judge dread. Um, <laughs> and now I can do that. Like now I just have it and it costs a dollar <laughs> instead of renting it for $4. No, I, you you definitely made out better than I did on this. It's just funny to me that you. I know, I know. My wife loves that I make these decisions. That's that what I was going to say. <laughs> we have a copy of Judge Dredd in our house forever. I think it's the quiet judgment I don't want to to welcome uh, in my house of of me owning Judge Dredd. And, and well, no, here's space. here's the secret. You just also have to own seven hundred other movies, so it just gets lost <laughs> in the. <laughs> I just was hoping you were telling me you have like a box buried in your backyard of just shitty B movies, and that's pretty much like it's like the uh, the great sports almanac from Back to the Future. It's like you've got all the shitty movies from like 1965 to 2000 just buried in your backyard. Uh, so, it sounds like heaven. It does. Um, all right. Well, I had a fun, a, a good time. Uh, yeah, that is a fun one. <laughs> this was a good one. Uh, I look forward to finishing out the D'Souza Palooza. <laughs> Uh, next week with uh, Street Fighter the movie uh, and hope people join us for it. Goodbye.